It's so good to see everyone. So many faces, and just thank you for being here. Um, I think Steve said it a few weeks back, but you look good. 25, you look good for 25. I want to thank my wife. Um, I want to thank her. She led the team, kind of spearheaded everything that's going on here and with her, her team, uh, Kaylee Horn, Joyce DeWitt, Tim Costello, Pat Patrick, Andrew Joy, Joy Moros. Each of them has a team of their own, but this is the primary team. Thank you all so much for how you have served us and cared for us and all that's going on today. We thank you. And that said, um, but in particular, I do want to isolate my wife and thank her. Yeah, thank you. I needed that, actually. That helped. Uh, I want to thank you, Kim, uh, not just for today, but for 25 years. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of like a wedding. You know, you can, you can have build up to a wedding, um, but in this case, the 25 years comes in front of the wedding, <laughs> and uh, 25 years um, walking together in this church, but in particular with my wife. Pastoring is rewarding, and pastoring is punishing. Um, pastoring is, at times, an absolute blast, and at times, it's absolutely crushing. Um, and it can take a toll. And I just want to pause and thank my wife for walking with me for these 25 years. Uh, prior to Trinity, uh, I worked at a church for six years, and uh, some of you were there. A few of you were there. Um, so that's a long time ago. Um, uh, at the end of that six years, I had serious questions, serious doubts as to whether or not this is what I would want to do with my life. Um, pastoral ministry. Uh, do I want to continue? Um, and here we are 31 years later. And I want to thank you for walking with me through the joys and the struggles. Thank you for trusting the Lord. Thank you for your relentless pursuit of our God and your loving embrace of his people, even when it's been tough. Ah. Ah. Well, in 1996, there were some notable things going on. Bill Clinton was reelected, um, second term, just to give you some setting for what was going on back in 1996. Side note, side note, this is a little bit of trivia, in case if you're ever asked, but Trinity Community Church shares its birthday with Mr. Clinton, all right? So August 19th, the, the actual date is August 19th, which also, further trivia, is my mother's birthday, all right? So, which also is Casey Green's birthday. Casey, yep. I, got it. That happened. Yes. Casey Klebs. And also is Chris Linton's birthday. All right. So, 
All that took place um, August 19, so this past week we are celebrating a lot of birthdays. And uh, yeah, so, um, you know, yeah, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. It's good for all of us to be 25 today. It's just wonderful. Um, as well as, um, this is a sad thing, but it happened in 1996, is um, Charles and Diana divorced. Uh, some other things that happened in 96, Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, was finally captured. Uh, the Cowboys defeated the Steelers 27 to 17. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Just saying that happened. Uh, Java programming language was first released. All right. The Motorola released its first flip phone. Its first flip phone. Tiger Woods became a professional golfer. Uh, the Monkees went on their 30th reunion tour. Um, Seinfeld and Friends, that was what was happening on television. And lastly, the Tickle Me Elmo doll was the thing that year. People were fighting, not over masks. They were fighting over a stupid little <laughs> Elmo doll. Uh, but there was one more, less notable thing to take place. On August 19, 1996, about 40 adults and children, and maybe a few roaches, gathered together <laughs> in the Days Inn conference room and began a church. We had no sound system. We did have a coffee machine. We had a coffee machine before that was cool. All right, just saying. Thank you, Kim and Alan Town. We had a coffee machine. We had no budget. We had nothing to budget. We, we not only had no budget, we had no clue. We had no clue, no budget. Uh, we didn't know if we would make it two weeks, two months, two years. I was 27 and quite clueless as to what I was getting myself into. Um, Pictured, Kim has not changed. I've changed, but I will want you to note that the person who's changed most in the picture, she's holding our oldest son, Tyler. And so, for those of you who don't know Tyler, he was the drummer this morning. He's changed the most, all right? So, it hasn't always been pretty as a church. Sometimes it's been really messy, but I must agree with Mr. Charles Spurgeon, who famously called the church the dearest place on earth to me. And I want to read, we always start our journey class with this quote, but I want to read it in its fuller context. So please hear. Give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, so sorry. I just lost my place and turned off the, the oh, such a good quote. <laughs> such a good quote. There we go. So sorry. Let's back up a little bit. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. 
Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on the earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone. And then the testimony for God would be lost to the world. As I've already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for your not joining it. If you are the Lord's, nor need, nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners." saved by grace, who, though they are saved, are still sinners and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children. Where they are nourished and grow strong, it is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. Let's pray. Father, it is so good for us now, 25 years, to once again pause and pray for the preaching of your word. Lord, bless this time together, we pray in your name. Amen. So I have just two points for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. The first one is the dearest place on earth can also be the messiest place on earth. If you're gonna stick around, there are gonna be messes. And we, we see that. I just love Spurgeon's quote there and all that he's saying. And he's saying it so humbly. There are gonna be leadership messes. There are gonna be relationship messes. There's gonna be grief and disappointment and hurts and misunderstandings. There's gonna be a mess because people are involved in the dearest place on earth. Because we go there, we bring all that we are to the church. Now, before COVID hit in 2020, there were already a lot of messes in our world. A lot of reasons for believers to perhaps stay home, not go to church, stay away from here, stay away from other believers. Have you noticed that sometimes we have more grace for people outside of these walls sometimes than we do for those inside these walls? Because we think, oh, he or she is a Christian and ought to know better. And so we shorten the grace. In some ways, 2020 became the year, and I mean this broadly, I don't mean at Trinity, thank you, broadly, 2020 became the year that the church lost its mind. <laughs> thank you, Trinity. It's not been the case here, but sometimes we messy people take our eyes off the ball and all the political chaos and all the, all the things that's been going on, I'd say, the past couple of years, Friends, do not forget in all of the chaos that's going around us why we exist as a church. It has never changed. 
we still have a mission. In one sense, everything has changed in our world in the last year and a half. And in another sense, nothing has. Nothing's changed for the church. Same mission, same Savior, same sovereign Lord over it all. Same worship, same Savior. Everything's changed in our world. Nothing has. Things are messy, not because of those people out there, but because of us in here, because we come to church, because of me. And that's the context of Ephesians 2. That's the, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but Christ has made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's prior to the text that that Rick read for us. And when Christ brings us from death to life, he sets us, that is the text that that Rick read for us, he sets us in a context, in a household, in a people, in a church. He saves us not only to himself, he saves us into a people of God. The people of God, but the, the people of God are sinners saved by grace. And sinners are messy. You see, it's the dearest place on earth because it's the one place on earth that the messy people, the redeemed people of God gather together to worship the one Savior who saved all of us messy people. And that's the whole chapter of Ephesians. The entire chapter is about one person. Now it's gonna talk about sinners saved by grace, It's going to talk about the household of God, but it's about one person. Actually, the entire letter is about one person. Actually, the entire book is about one person. We don't gather here this morning, newsflash, to say, wow, what a church. We gather to say, wow, what a church a savior. We're, you and me, we are not what's impressive here. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Trinity. Trinity is not an amazing church because of who goes here. Trinity is amazing church because of its amazing savior. We are not the savior. We are not the big deal this morning to celebrate. I'm not the shepherd, praise be to God. I'm not the head of the church, so comforting to a pastor. Praise be to God. That position has already been taken and established for all of eternity. Do you know who the subject is in this chapter? Do you know who's doing the verb? In the chapter, who does the saving? Who does the redeeming? It's Jesus Christ. He does all the action that takes place in the chapter, in the letter, in the entire book. It's Christ. And so we come to verse 17 and it says, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He preached peace to the far and the near. What does that mean? To the original audience, 
The Ephesians would have been both Jew and Gentile. And so he preached peace, first of all, to the Jew. The Jew was near. The Jew, in a sense, kind of, they grew up in that culture. They grew up hearing about Father Abraham. They grew up with a history of godliness. They grew up, well, they grew up doing religious things. They were near. And yet the problem was, is they thought that that nearness or those religious things would also be their salvation. Christ came to those who were near to redeem them and save them from, if I could say, the religious nonsense of self-atonement, self-salvation. I personally grew up in the church. I love church kids because I are one, right? I grew up in the church. Thank you, mom and dad, for, for those of you maybe who are guests. That's mom and dad over here. Um, I guess you could say I was near, meaning I grew up in a home where I heard the gospel and I was taught things of the Lord, just like perhaps these Jews. But hear me, and I, and I want church kids, young and old, when I say church kids, I'm saying I am one, right? Young and old, church kids, hear me. It's possible to be near, just like the New Testament Jew, and not be saved, it's possible to grow up thinking that this activity that you're being taught, um, and moms and dads, please don't teach the activity minus the gospel. It's possible to be near and yet not be saved. So I was born in America to American parents. What does that make me? It makes me an American. Be careful. Church kids, hear my voice. Being born in a Christian home to Christian parents doesn't make you a Christian. Makes you near. Does make you near. But church kids, you need to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are also individuals who were far. This was the Gentile. The Gentiles didn't grow up around this stuff. They didn't grow up hearing about Father Abraham or King David or you fill in the blank. Some of you here, you were far. You didn't grow up with the benefit, I would say, with the blessing that I had growing up in a godly home. You were far. You were living for yourself. Some of you were strung out on drugs. Some of you were getting drunk just to simply hide the pain and the hurts of your life. And you couldn't care less about God. And he takes both of those people, the far and the near, and he makes them one. Now it says, verse 18, for through him we both, have access. That's, that's just mind-blowing, stunning news. We both have access in one spirit to the Father. Separate sermon, but just note through this morning or the whole text, the Trinity at work. It's just beautiful. Access to the Father uh, by the Spirit, of course, through the work of, of Christ the Son. So we have access to the Father, and that should just blow our minds. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Okay, 
let's go back to first century people, strangers and aliens to Roman territories um, didn't have the same privileges that a citizen would. That's why when Paul was arrested and they're preparing to beat him, what? He speaks up and he says, hey, I'm a Roman. And what do they do? Drop their sticks and rocks. Wait, what? Hey, we, we can't touch. He's one of us. He's a citizen of Rome. And everybody takes a step back. As a citizen, he was um, protected, excuse me. And as citizens of America, you have the protection of America. We have a problem. Uh, we can dial 911, can do it right now. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, but we could, if needed, and ambulances and fire trucks and policemen will be rolling in here with sirens on. Uh, because you're protected. And when Paul says that you were aliens, you were. This is what your status was. You were aliens and strangers to the covenants of promise. But he brought us peace. Peace from what? Peace from what? Why, why don't we have peace? Or why wasn't there peace? Or what are we being protected from that he brought us peace? And the answer to that is he brought us peace from sin and death. Sin and death. Christ came, if you will, with sirens on and he rescued you from your sins by dying on the cross. He took our place. He saved us from the justified, actually saved from what? Saved from the justified wrath of God that is aimed towards sinners. That's you and me. And that's what's meant when a Christian says, I am saved saved. So verse 19 in the middle there says, so you're no longer aliens and strangers. Well, what are we? We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's a great picture, the household of God. This is stunning. Did you know this one verse is enough? It's just enough for me. I can have a political view of immigration. I get that. I think there's wisdom. I think we need to do our research and we can have conversation about that and political views about that. But hear me, I'm not trying to make a political point. This is not a political statement. It's not a border statement that I'm seeking to make here. I'm trying to make a gospel statement, meaning we were aliens and strangers, and he took us in. He took us in. And the gospel drives that hospitality in our hearts. It's why we invite in the alien, the stranger, because he did so for us. You were brought near. He gave you peace. He made you a member of the household of God. You are not an illegal in the kingdom of God. You are not a guest. You're not an attender. You're not just sitting in a seat this morning. You're not a consumer. I sit here just receiving. That's not what a household does. Not a healthy one. When I say church, I don't mean this building, right? We know that. I mean this messy people that we are. That's what I mean. Actually, 
26 years ago, you're sitting in different offices right now, <laughs> 26 years ago. Each of these um, pillars is a different section. They were just completely walled across, completely walled across, and that continues because this was a different business back there, and this is a different business through here, and that's a different business over here. That's what it was 26 years ago. Now it's where a church gathers. I call this our auditorium, intentionally. You don't hear me refer to it as our sanctuary. I don't think of it as a sanctuary. It's not a holy place, but it does provide the meeting place for God's holy people. Those saved by grace gather here. And so it's an auditorium to me. It's not sanctuary. It's not holy. But God's people who are filled with the Holy Spirit gathers here. We are the messy, and yet we are the holy, redeemed people of God. Secondly, the messy people and the dearest place are in process. <laughs> we have not arrived 25 years. In so many ways, I feel like we're just getting started. I do. I feel like I just finally learned to preach. And I hope five years from now, I'll be saying, I think I'm just starting to learn to preach. We do not arrive. Verses 20 through 22, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, meaning the foundation of the messy, far, near people of God are the apostles and prophets, meaning Old Testament prophet, New Testament apostle, it means we are built on this right here. It is the people, those people that God raised up, those messy people, those messy apostles and those messy prophets were inspired by God to record for us scripture, what we have in our laps or on our phones or whatever it might be. Ah, praise be to God, it's been preserved for us. This is the foundation on which Christ's church is built Why do we preach the word of God at Trinity? Why is it such a big deal that we do so? Why are we committed to do so? Why is it so important that we pass these convictions on to the next generation? That 25 years from now, someone, not me, will be standing here behind this pulpit preaching the word faithfully. Because for the far and the near people of God who were brought near, we are built on this. That's what the text is telling us. We are literally built upon this foundation. Built on the word, the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, it says, 
the cornerstone, meaning, okay, we're built on that foundation, but Christ is the cornerstone even of that foundation. Christ, who is the word in flesh, he is the living word. He is the cornerstone. He holds the entire building together. All of that foundation is tied into that cornerstone. And then everything that's built on top of that is built on that foundation, but Christ is the cornerstone of it all. And so I want to say to us, Trinity, it's not tricky. We're not looking for a newer, an edgier, a trendier foundation to build upon. We don't need one. We've got it. How will we know in five years or 10 years or 15 years or 25 years if Trinity is healthy? Will it be based on how many people are in the room? Will it be based on what's the budget? Will it be based on what is our facility in 25 years? Will it be based on what programs are we running? Answer, none of that. None of that. It will be based on Jesus Christ, the word of God. He is the cornerstone of messy people like you and me. And so in some ways, I feel like at Trinity, we're quite predictable. I want us to be predictable. No surprises when you come here. Oh, they're going to preach the word today. And when they do so, there's going to be connections. We're going to run you to the gospel. It's predictable. For some, they would say, ah, that's just not edgy enough. We need some edgy. Maybe you could even say it's kind of boring. My friends, even saying that, if you are bored, if you are bored, you don't get it yet. Press into God. So yes, let me tell you the message we will preach at Trinity. Some of you are guests. Some of you have come back after so many years. Thank you so much. So cool. The McIntyres are on the McIntyre row. They're on that row. Like that is their row. And it's just so good to look over there and the rest of you as well. Thank you. So many of you making drives to be here this morning to celebrate with us. Here's the message we will preach at Trinity. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's our message. That's our hope. That's our yesterday, previous years. That's, that's today. That will be our tomorrow. While there are many, many things, I'm aware of too many things that needs to improve at Trinity. I am so glad to say we cannot improve on the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And next week, we will be sending out Alex and Melinda. Alex will be preaching next week a farewell sermon. It's not never preach here again sermon, but it is a farewell sermon. His heart for you, his church, Trinity, all these years. And so we will be sending them out. Here's the thing. Why do I mention that? Because Alex and Melinda go with a conviction. Yes. 
you know what the message is going to be? It's going to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message. And by the way, Christian and Megan Moscoso will be joining us. They'll be coming. They're over here. If you haven't had a chance to meet them, please do this morning. But here's the thing. Christian comes to Trinity. Guess what? He's got a conviction. It's this. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's the message of everyone on the preaching team here at Trinity. And that's the message of our community group leaders as we gather together in family rooms. And that's the message that takes place behind these walls in the different children's ministry um, classes. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And church, if that bores you, I'm just going to tell you, that's all we got. And that's all we need. Yes, that is all we need. Thank you, Mark. That is your seat. (laughs) Ah, so good. So my note said, Mark, that's all we got, but don't misunderstand. That's all we need. And so it's not tricky. Stay true, Trinity. Stay true to the gospel. Jesus Christ, him crucified, said it before, It bears repeating again and again and again. Demand it of your pastors. Demand it of those who stand behind this pulpit that we might preach the word and do so with great conviction upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets of which Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. It is all about him from start to finish throughout this book. Whatever book we might find ourselves in, whatever particular Sunday, demand it of your pastors. Preach the word. Christ crucified. And once again, I tell you, if we stray from that message, confront us. Confront us. And if we do not listen to you, leave this church and go to a church that will faithfully preach this book. Find a church that will be faithful to the one message, Christ and him crucified. So verse 21 says, in whom the whole structure, this is Christ, the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Just a picture of process, right? It's growing, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, we're being built together into a dwelling place for God. What a beautiful picture by the spirit. So brothers and sisters, get in the church in these next 25 years. I'm not saying to you, get into Trinity Church. I'm saying to you, get into his household, his people, the gathering of his people that takes place on a weekly basis. But don't simply gather in uh, this auditorium or another auditorium. Don't simply just fill a seat, if I could say. Don't simply be an attender. Don't be a consumer. Be a worshiper. And there's a huge difference between the two. It's very easy for us over longevity where we move from worshiper to attender and consumer. 
The, the goal here over the past few weeks, we've been encouraging some of you, pray. Pray about staying. Pray about going. The goal is not that you move this seat over to that building in that seat, that now I sit over there. No, the goal is, oh, Lord, I am all in at the household of God. Go there, crosswalk. Stay here, Trinity, to give your life away. And it's messy. The mess will continue. All right? It will. The question is not, will there be messes? That's not even the question. The question is, how will you handle the messes as a redeemed man or woman of God? That's the question. That's what God's after. That's the growing that he's doing. We are in process. You see, when we were saved, we were babies. And babies are supposed to grow up. That's what's going on here. We call it maturing. But you know, we live in a culture, right? We're quick to recognize it out there. We live in a culture that doesn't want to grow up, right? Even, right, it's become a word, ah, adulting. I guess that's communicated in a negative way. Like, huh, that's adulting. I don't really want to do the adulting thing. It's to be avoided. Can I ask you, are you adulting yet as a Christian? Are you adulting? Or is that to be avoided? Are you long-suffering with brothers and sisters? Are you patient? Are you walking with one another in love, forgiving and asking for forgiveness among the messy people of God? Because when we're built together, there's a mess. And if I could say it creates a twitch, right? Like, I've got a twitch. If you've been around church life enough, you develop a twitch. There's the twitch, right? <laughs> There's some twitching back there. <laughs> I'm not sure. Here's what the twitch is. I'm not sure I want to get that close to people. I would just like to keep a distance, maybe even stay home, because I don't want to be hurt again. That's the twitch. I want to invite you to be hurt again. That's how God grows us into the household of God. And everything that's in us says, I don't want to be hurt again. I invite you to be hurt again. Miss you, buddy. So I belong to Christ, but not his church. His bride. I don't want to be hurt again. I want to re-invite you. Come and be hurt again for the glory of God. Because when hurt people reconcile, the gospel is on display. God is glorified. If the worship team would join me, All of chapter two is about the redeemed, messy people of God being brought into that household of God. And the reason 
you are in that household. The reason you're here this morning as a, a representation of the household of God, the reason you're here this morning, right? It's because of the lavish, extravagant grace and mercy of God. You're not in the household because of your own doing. It is entirely a work of his grace and his mercy. He has saved you and then he places you into a community of believers for the glory of his own name. So whether Trinity is your home or perhaps you're a guest today or perhaps Trinity was your home years ago and you drove here or perhaps you've left Trinity and you still find home in, in the general area and you go to another church, praise be to God. Ha, go there to worship. Go there to participate. Go there to serve the Lord, not to be a consumer, not to keep your distance and play it all safe, but to be all in for the glory of our God. Trinity, it's been a wonderful 25 years. Praise be to God. After that first six years prior to these 25, as I mentioned, I wanted to quit pastoral ministry. Praise be to God. After 25 more years, I joined my voice with Mr. Spurgeon and say, this is the dearest place on earth to me. Let's stand together. Sing to our God.